Welcome back to Do Patrol Radio WDPR 96.3. Hot off the switchboards, we got a request for this little ditty. You got something rattling around up there you want to hear? Give me a call and don't forget to carry that one here on Do Patrol Radio. All right, welcome back, nobodies, to Doom Patrol Radio, your favorite interdimensional podcast. This side of the painting, my name is Mark. And my name is Nathan. And today we have special guest Tom Farrell with us. Uh, it says here you're the story editor or executive story editor of Doom Patrol. Is that the correct title? I am, yeah, executive story editor. <laughs> sounds very fancy, but it, yeah. way less fancy than it sounds. <laughs> How different is that from, you know, just a, a regular writing credit or like what, is that, what does that mean being a story editor? Um, so basically the way things work in, in like TV writers rooms is uh, there's just, there's rankings. So the latter kind of goes from staff writer, story editor, executive story editor, co-producer, producer, supervising producer, Co-EP, EP. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so, we'll, put a, we'll put a tune to that later on. In the yeah, song, exactly. In the really cool. <laughs> a, B, C, yeah. D, E, F, G. Exactly. Um, so, so uh, yeah. And what a lot of people don't really know is like a lot of those roles, I would say definitely from staff writer to like co-producer, producer, it's like you're doing a lot of the same stuff. You're still in the room pitching. Um, some showrunners take the ranking more seriously than others in terms of who gets to speak when, but, um, I've been very fortunate and, uh, the esteemed Jeremy Carver is one who is very egalitarian and doesn't care about that stuff. He just wants the best idea to win and everybody to speak freely and comfortably. Um, he empowers all the writers to produce, like even when you're a staff writer, he just throws you in the deep end and it's great. It's just the best possible way to learn how to make tv so yeah yeah right you just throw you right in the fire <laughs> yeah yeah right. and yeah congratulations on even being a part of that ladder so oh thanks in, yeah, in, in and of itself it's a trip <laughs> for sure <laughs> that's awesome it's cool so um yeah and you know um like we've always been talking about like here on the show and nathan and i what even off off show off air I don't know. It's mm -hmm. a podcast. It's pre-recorded. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we talk about Doom Patrol all the time. And, you know, we're, people are always talking about the writers uh, of the comic books, you know, Grant Morrison, Rachel Pollack, Gerard Way. These are like when people talk about how much they love Doom Patrol, it's usually because of the writers who are writing it. And you guys deserve yeah. just as much credit because you guys have taken, you know, they didn't Grant Morrison, Gerard Way, Rachel Pollack, they didn't create Doom Patrol, but they've created their mythos of doom patrol and right. you guys are kind of doing that as well and 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 sometimes i think you guys have adapted it better in in 2020 some of the things that that have been put in doom patrol's mythos and um like uh there are things where i, I like like uh just for like an example like eric doodle's like sex patrol to me is now <laughs> like one of the greatest like doom patrol stories and and you did you did danny patrol which, yeah. which is like yeah that's people yeah. <laughs> Go for it, Nate. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, that's something that would never have even have been been a thought of, like, just something that would have been adapted into something as like television and a series, and e even that, like, right. And it's something that is just taken from a comic book that is 
at face value could be seen as bizarre, but then you make it into like a <laughs> wonderful, I don't know, visual experience. Even that, uh, it's just oh, cool. All this stuff, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, pretty incredible. It's funny. It's Danny the Street. It's it's so funny. I ended up doing that episode because right when I first signed on to do the show, you know, and dove deep into all the comics, and immediately fell in love with them because they're just so bizarre and rich and wonderful. Uh, Danny was the thing I would immediately when I was trying to explain to my friends how weird this story is mm-hmm. I would just be like okay uh well there's a street and it talks and it teleports and it's genderqueer and like you know what and they were like what yeah yeah <laughs> um, you know and I was like yeah that's just one that's just one character that's a character <laughs> in, in this in this world um so yeah i I agree it's like all those writers brought so much to the whole franchise you know like they had like grant morrison's obviously genius as is rachel as is gerard you know so it's we're just so lucky that we have like that really really bizarre rich source material to pull from and you know play with you know it's just like every Mm -hmm. writer's dream um because the sky's really the limit and when season two came around and I think it was Eric actually was just like, well, there's these guys called the sex men and you just saw Jeremy's face light up and like, well, that's happening <laughs> yeah. this season. You know? yeah. It's just so fun. Okay. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like capital cap- capitalization of fun, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, uh, like, uh, I, I'm assuming it's it's pretty easy to translate like people's reactions to what how crazy Doom Patrol is like when they when they hear about things like Danny the Street and Flex Mentallo and stuff yeah. like that. And it seemed like in in this season you had a lot of people like Clara Steele and um, and Ronnie when <laughs> when Cyborg and Cliff are trying right. to explain what's going on. It's like yeah. I'm pretty sure the writers are just writing people's actual reactions <laughs> yeah. to what's going on. Totally. It's fun because like Cliff is usually our, our way into that to the literally the what the fuck. But it's yeah. always fun to drop somebody new with even fresher eyes, you know, because even Cliff now is like, you know, maybe starting to get used to the crazy a little bit. So to drop a Clara yeah. or a Ronnie and like, what the fuck is happening? Here? It's yeah. just yeah. like, you know, yeah, never forget what world we're playing in, you guys. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that again, like that, just the source source material has given us such a wonderful license to fucking just go balls to the walls and to be as weird as we want, and we take advantage of that. Um, now, going kind of bouncing off of that um, with like the whole source material and everything, is there yeah. anything that um, <clears throat> that drew your attention particularly that you were? Is there anything that stands out most of the time that you? try to pull from just in a generalization for the show um Um, things that are usually in the comics that you would want to be like yes let me get that is there a specific set yeah yeah i think like um kind of part of our process is at the beginning of each season we gather you know it's it's one of my favorite parts of the season because we're all together in the room you know our our little army you know and uh Jeremy's with us every step of the way and we just get to like break out the whole season um and part of that process is Jeremy kind of says like okay well everybody dive into the comics and come back with you know possible episodes or worlds or arcs or things that really caught your fancy that you think are worth exploring so um that's those are sort of our marching orders in the first like 
three to four weeks of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there definitely are like, I mean, in season one, I think I might have jokingly was like, yeah, we're totally going to do Danny the Street, right? And Jerry was like, I love Danny the Street. I was like, really? So do I. I didn't think we would yeah. actually do it, though. <laughs> um, so, so you know, um, and then this season, like something like Red Jack is something, you know, sometimes yeah. there's things that overlap with all of us. And we're like, oh, my God, that, that guy's amazing. Like, we got to do that, you know. And we had him up on the board for season one for so long, um, but we just couldn't find, like, the right place to put that jigsaw piece in um mm-hmm. and we wanted to give him his proper due so we were so happy we found a place this season um and then you know there's more grounded storylines too that are just emotional like we all really loved the fact that group therapy was like a regular part of the doom patrol series you know like every couple mm-hmm. of issues they're just sitting in the room talking and so um uh, i think neil reynolds in particular who wrote that episode was was really keen on that and just turned out so great um so it's really just like everybody's just straight up general interest it's just like whatever yeah. you really liked in, on your own reads just yeah. bring it forth that's awesome exactly. that, that freedom right there is just it's so that's fun. incredible it's, and that's yeah, how you like, do it i mean and, and that's why it's working so perfect guys oh and everybody <laughs> it's come on we it's hope. right in front of you we're trying yeah like even the um the dad patrol one you know we a couple of us came across that and they're like yeah there's this really beautiful moving episode where jane has to go back to the farmhouse and find harry this lamb that she lost and so we were like that that seems like an episode you know that ha- we have to do that you know it's just so rich and interesting and and we know diane will kill it like she always does mm-hmm. um so so yeah we you know we found a way and like it's it's just so fun to see a drama time. and we also love too when we're just on scrolling through social media seeing like the compa- like people figure it out you know like the <laughs> the comic tile comparisons to the actual shots from the episodes is so cool uh so yeah we have a lot of fun Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, was there anything that you are most proud of that you adapted from the story that made it into the show? Like something that you were like, um, and not just like verbatim, but maybe something you adapted better, like, you know, something that you were that you were like, Oh, wow, I would really love to take that. Uh, because like, for me, personally, Rita Farr was like one of the biggest, (laughs) like highlights of the show, like a sleeper Uh, hit where I was like, Elastigirl is going to or last a woman's going to be in it. Okay. But then, yeah. like now, Rita Farr is like my favorite character, and like, uh, I don't know if you have any the of the same things. <laughs> I, I'm I'm with you. They did such a wonderful job, and I still I keep meaning to ask Jeremy because I don't know where the um, Rita as a blob, like how that even came to be. Because even on day one of season one, like Jeremy already had that kind of scripted out in his head for the pilot. And it, because it's, you know, in classic Rita Farr and the, you know, you, it's always like she's stretches or she's really big or really small, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. there's very little blah. I think there might've been a tile or something in, in a, a Rachel Pollock issue or something where Rita's melting or something like that. And I'm sure that just like, you know, hit Jeremy in a certain way, but yeah, she's wonderful. Um, in terms of personally, anything we adapted, I like, I, I feel really, um, just honored and i was terrified at the time but honored to have tackled danny in that episode Mm -hmm, um it was it was by far the most fun i've 
ever had to, like working on an episode of television because um, everybody was so committed and so excited to do it. Um, and, you know, we had to flesh out that story a lot. Um, and there were there were definitely different versions that we we batted around. But um, but yeah, like like morally corrupt is not a character in, in uh, the Grant Morrison comics. The uh, MC of the Peeping Tom's Nightclub is a guy with no arms and legs. I think that just like floats around and mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we were like that's interesting, but you know maybe there's another story to tell. And then we knew we had the whole Bureau of Normalcy storyline um, as the antagonist, and then we we wanted to tie Larry into that. Um, so we were like, okay, putting, kind of putting the pieces together. And then it just, it snowballed from there and then took on a life of its own with, with the Danny Zins and, and the karaoke number. And, uh, mm. it, it just really, and then, you know, Dermot who did such a wonderful job directing it was, it was just a blast. Um, um, I, I was also fortunate enough to do drag for the first time because the hair and makeup team insisted that I be a, one of the Danny Zins and yeah. that was a lifelong dream come true. Uh, so, um, yeah, but I'm just really, I'm really, uh, just humbled to see how many people responded to the episode and, um, really took something away from it. Um, and that it touched them. So yeah, I think that would yeah, be my, my personal biggest excitement. But I think honestly, we're all just as a team really excited about people's response to the show and how we've leaned into the mental health um, yeah, issues yeah. that our characters yeah. re- uh, try to reckon with every day. Um, and that's that's what we wanted to do. You know, we're they're so far from the Justice League, but that's that's why we love them. You know, that's yeah. why we love yeah. them. Exactly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's it's definitely one of those things where, um, and I think that story itself in the in like the comic books of we're comparing that kind of thing is like. Uh, the peeping toms i'm pretty sure it's just like a single cell kind of like the therapy it's like it's Mm -hmm. just one of those things where they were like oh that's where you know morally corrupt ended up is there on danny street and it's like but then we had like the whole story was just being in the ant farm being in the bureau of normalcy and it's like okay but if those are statically just bad people why do we focus so much on them and not focus on how the danny why did the danny's ends live or, or seek that Danny as a, as a safe haven and stuff like that. Right. Focusing on those characters. And yeah, um, I think in the comics have... it's the men from nowhere or something like that. Yeah. That's yeah. The, you know, yeah. so this is sort of like our, our spin on that. And then to also get to do the, um, <laughs> the Karen story and the Karen introduction was just a blast yeah. as, as a lover of rom-coms. And <laughs> I was very happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, and and speaking of, of of different crazy uh crazy Jane personalities, man, uh, it's, it's Diana. What I, I don't know. I don't she's know how she does it. Phenom- she's a force of nature. <laughs> I love her. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm ready to see like Driver Eight on like the outside, or I don't know how you refer to that. Like yeah. inside, out, up top. underground, up yeah. top, the yeah. surface. Yeah. Uh, she. I think that's funny you say that because I think Diane. Uh, feels the same way i think i saw an interview with her online a couple like a week or two ago and she's like i really want driver eight to come up i want to see what she's yeah. doing it's like oh that's interesting okay file that away <laughs> for later <laughs> yeah yeah 
Cool. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's switch gears here. We're talking about heroes a lot, but uh, I, I think someone that we talk about that some consider to be like the villain of, of Doom Patrol is actually Niles Calder. Um, how, <laughs> yeah. do you, how do you guys approach writing him as uh, like uh, an asshole, but then he's yeah. like trying but... still a fatherly figure in the yeah. sense and right. still making you feel good about him being a fatherly figure. What is, what is going <laughs> right. on? How do, you, <laughs> how do you, how do you balance that? It is a, it is a tight, tight rope uh, for sure to walk. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we just kind of remind ourselves that Niles, like the rest of them is one of the team and they've all done incredibly fucked up shit as well. So mm-hmm. they're kind of the last people on, the, on earth that should be throwing rocks and glass houses. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, every, every sort of quote unquote villain thinks they're the hero of their yeah. own story. So uh, and I think that's especially true of Niles. And we're so lucky that we were able to kind of dramatize his story and show that's what season one was about, like why he did what he did, or also particularly this season was to, protect his daughter which i think you know any parent can relate to you know that he um it's just so firm in his convictions that you know his daughter is somebody she he loves and he couldn't do the unthinkable though he finally kind of does get to that point this season spoiler alert um but um but short of doing doing that he would do anything for her you know like he would go to the ends of the earth and beyond and What's so interesting, I think, even where he is at the top of the season is that he still feels that way, <laughs> you know? He's sort of mm-hmm. like in a I do it again mentality, which is why I think it was fun to do the Red Jack episode and, and have him highlight, like, are you really sorry? You keep saying you're mm-hmm. sorry, but are you actually feeling that? I don't think you are. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think he's just he's just a father who's had to make impossible choices and 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 everything he says and does we just approach from that you know it's kind of it's the walter white effect you know yeah but uh yeah uh you know it's just like walter white at a certain point that a line is crossed where it doesn't become about your family as much as you say it is um yeah it's about about you um so straying so far from that path and everything yeah exactly and i think um this season was a lot about atonement for him um you know, trying to walk that back and really doing the work of reconciling, like, yeah, you, you really fucked up these people's lives and, and they're, you know, kind of worse off for it. And, you know, we understand that you have a daughter, but Cliff had a daughter too, you know, really putting him at odds with Cliff in that regard. That was really fun too, just to have Cliff be the voice of like, yeah. fuck yourself for the rest of your life. Like, I don't yeah. cause you know, he, he lost so much. So um it's yeah it's the definitely a, a tight tight rope to walk but but we have fun just trying to go back and forth and um we we i, I totally see why people <laughs> consider him the mm-hmm. villain we we still don't we still like i think endear him as as the father figure to us all that you know wants to help and means well but really needs to just fucking go away <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly um, yeah um i want to back up a little bit because you yeah. mentioned um red jack and since we're still talking about villains and stuff like that um mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of really excellent horror elements in this oh, in this you. season and just in the show in general and that's something that was never truly 
pop out of the page in my face, especially reading Grant Morrison. It was more surrealistic and like more, I don't, you know, metaphysical and visual kind of thing. Just like, oh, pretty colors and oh, weird right. psychedelics. But nothing was ever really <laughs> like too much like body horror and all these things. Yeah. Um, and you've done a really good job at just like adapting that. Do you... Is that some? <laughs> is that a you. love of yours? Do you draw oh, yeah. inspiration from? Okay, that's like I yeah. really needed to go into that because it's just done <laughs> so beautifully. Thank you. Yeah, um, there's three three bona fide horror nerds in the room. It's myself, Tamara, um, and Shoshana. Um, oh, yeah. So any chance we have to kind of like horror it up and skulk off and be little cave demons, we, we do it. <laughs> um, and Red Jack w- was a perfect example of that. We had like Palace of Pain, perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I think, and there is a lot, like I think in the, especially in the Grant Morrison stuff, it's very dark. Like there's it's dark. a lot of yeah. really fucked up stuff. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of like doing, adapting it for the screen, there's a lot that you can like expand on visually um so i I can't remember how the uh, butterfly wings came up in the writer's room but you know we knew red jack butterflies are so synonymous Mm -hmm. um i think it might have been the brilliant chris dingus who pitched out you know like what if like when they're at the height of their pain they start growing wings oh man oh my god that's amazing yeah because i don't even Uh, think we saw that in the books they were just like he collected butterflies and yeah that was it people yeah they never showed that transformation yeah and in the the comic the red jackets like it's so quick like they're getting that palace and he like yeah takes them all out and then it's you know he's he's bested and then you're like oh mm-hmm. i'm like no 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 we're gonna do so much more yeah <laughs> and and it was also exciting because we thought well this is maybe one of our first opportunities aside from seeing niles in the yukon in season one to really show niles like the adventurer you know the yeah the, like swashbuckling uh millionaire or whatever that can like da- dash into the fray the, the man mm-hmm. who signed up for the bureau of oddities um, so that was exciting too to fold him into the adventure, um, and then yeah, and of course it's Red Jack, so it's going to be very fucked up. And I think in the <laughs> Grant Morrison, we uh, th- there was something we loved that where this woman's like hunched over in the corner, and like somebody walks up to her, and she it's she turns her she turns around, and she's like swaddling this giant disgusting beetle or something like that. Like, yeah, there's just so much fun, like cool stuff to to yeah. cherry pick and play with. But um, yeah, fun grotesque things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right Definitely got our juices flowing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and, and especially with like Candlemaker, I think just yeah, like Candlemaker is such another a, one, like beautiful thing to to look at i don't know what it is about Mm -hmm. Uh, especially for me i don't know like i'll I'll see candlemaker on screen and i know and i was saying it on the show but like most of the time you need to really convince people that your bad guy is a bad guy like to actually fear the character and um yeah like i don't know the candlemaker is just so easily easy to be afraid of already mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. especially you know when you have candlemaker just be like well you know the villain has just the ease to to walk into the underground and, and kill a few personalities and you're like oh okay so this guy <laughs> means business like already you're just like well he's already proven he's uh, he's terrifying so right. it's like how you guys make him so so easily 
being scared of. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, no, yeah. It was it was fun to to uh like sculpt that that character because um I think something that we did that I, I thought was pretty effective in seeing it on screen was, you know, evolve him. You know, at first he was literally just like a voice in Dorothy's head and we very we saw very small little flashes of him in the circus flashbacks. But when he was just kind of this monosyllabic like creature with this deep menacing voice uh, inside Dorothy's head, you know, we're like, Oh God, you know, you let your imagination, so to speak, run wild. Yeah. And like, who, whose voice is that? What is that? Like, um, and then as Dorothy begins to mature, so does he. And then he starts speaking in fuller, more uh, eloquent sentences. And uh, then we actually get to see like the the being the creature the monster behind the voice and hopefully by then it's it, you know even it, scarier than than what you had imagined and i thought the vfx team did such an incredible job like bringing that mm -hmm. that yeah. character to life from the page absolutely yeah i i think so i you know yeah. it's it's it to me it looks beautiful even like you know uh, it's like i'll pause it like I think what was I think it was Dad Patrol that I was watching, and either <clears throat> Dorothy is talking to Candlemaker or Niles is talking to Candlemaker, and it's and you kind of can just if you pause it or just look closely, you can really like just identify features on the character. So they do a really great job rendering yeah. the character. Yeah, but, yeah. There was a shot, and and again, like I uh, actually didn't see it until you guys saw it. Like, because the, fin <laughs> oh, okay. the final VFX are, you know, they're they're put in like very at the very end of the whole process. Um, so when I was watching it on TV, and the shot where uh, Dorothy is kind of back at the Yukon, and her mother's giving her the boots and mm -hmm. the spear mm -hmm. and everything. Um, and then the candle maker comes out of the flames and he just like gets in Dorothy's face. I remember shooting that and I was like, okay, you know, that's, a, you know, a guy in a motion capture suit, but like seeing it, it was terrifying. It like, it totally reminded me of like Ripley and alien, you know, it was kind yeah. of that same shot. Um, and it also helped for that Amanda Rowe, the director is a huge, huge horror person too. So, okay. um, it was just so fun to see, see it all come together and, he's scary as hell in that moment it's, for sure uh, it's just so excellent to see all these horror elements in this show really and it's yeah. something that i honestly just wasn't expecting from it because oh cool yeah, comic books you yeah. know it's just i don't know <laughs> it's you're blowing it out of the water i'm so glad you. that you're responding to it as a nerd. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always pushing for more <laughs> so yeah right yeah there was a there was something in in wax patrol that um really caught me like off guard because i was like you know, we're, we're fearing Candlemaker emerging, or, you know, and uh, I think Mark Shepard's talking to Timothy Dalton in, in the story. So it's like uh, Willoughby Kipling trying to tell Niles Calder that you have to go through with this now before right. it's too late. And then all of a sudden, like wax is dripping on, yeah. on his back. And I was like, oh, boy. And, and, yeah. and it, it was just like the, the, the clown that was melting. Mm -hmm. But to me... Like normally that's like an alien thing, you know, when you, the, yeah. when the saliva starts dripping, you're like, yeah. yeah, you're kind of like, oh, is it like right behind them? So I, like in that <laughs> moment, I was like, oh, it's gonna, it's a, um... yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was very, um, I, I, I was pleased with how well we were able to sell, like just the impending doom of the candle maker with that and the, the lollipops and everybody freaking out and, you know, the candle maker's voice and the 
roaring and screeching and everything like it was very uh, it definitely built the tension cutting to black i was like oh god wait till <laughs> stay tuned everybody yeah yeah uh, yeah. yeah yeah yeah. the hardest sure. stay tuned everybody ever that's what I, tell you. <laughs> I know yeah. i know oh my god I know. Um, so yeah, and I want to ask you a little bit about that. Uh, first of all, though, we—I guess I have a timer on on Zoom, so in about ten minutes, this is going to end. I think. Oh, gotcha. So okay. just a heads up: if we have to re, you know, restart, sure. and we'll just we'll 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 play it, we'll do it live. Um, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, speaking now that that season two is over, um, what are what are your? Uh, I mean, how are you feeling about season two now now that it's uh, it's wrapped up? Great. I feel great. It was such a, you know, um, this was actually the first time I've ever watched, worked on a show where I hadn't seen cuts um, before it aired. I obviously I saw cuts of the two episodes I co-wrote. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I hadn't seen a single frame of the premiere of like Tiny Town, um, Dr. <laughs> Time, like the Danny Zins and the sex party and everything, like nothing. So it was so fun. It was so fun to just sit and like tune in every Thursday and be like, what, what's going to happen? What's, what's everything mm. going to look like? What is Dr. Time going to look like and sound like, and how's that going to look? And like, um, I had just such a blast. I hope everybody else did too. Um, and I think like it, it was definitely true to what we discussed in the room that felt really great. Um, and, uh, yeah. And also there had been a fair amount of distance. Like we wrapped the room, I want to say like the end of February. So, you know, okay. and it didn't start until June. So it had been like four or five months before, uh, you know, like afterwards. And I hadn't like really thought about anything like specifically in the episode. So my old age and my old mind was murky and I couldn't remember like certain <laughs> story points. So certain things were still surprises and um, seeing like seeing, uh, Niles jettison Cliff out of the spaceship. I was like, oh my god, an asshole! You know, like, <laughs> like you know that time you knew that was going to happen. But um, but uh, yeah, I just had a blast, and I I think it came together really well. Uh, um, everybody did a, a phenomenal job. It was it felt like more lived in in a way, if that makes sense. Just that like the actors were even more comfortable, and we were more comfortable. We knew we could sort of write to them and they could play to our writing and like it just was it was just so much fun and 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 the crew was just all so excited to be back which was nice i think we retained like most of our crew which doesn't always happen when there's huge blocks of time in between um but that's just a testament that people wanted to come back and work on the show and i think i think everybody's work just shined so beautifully uh so yeah how are you guys feeling about it (laughs) heartbroken <laughs> oh, good. Uh, yeah but in a, in a yeah in a good way in all the good ways though um mm. it's definitely more of like a um it's eager just because of now it's uh, i just want more you know i know me too <laughs> me too dude <laughs> so everybody you just want what you get something good and you just always want it you want more and more and more especially yeah. something that like you connect to so well and it was something that to yeah. at least to both of us was just such a surprise that it's adaptation is doing this well it's it's incredible to us there was i mean years where even mark and i were talking on random other podcasts where we were saying you know like man i would really wish if there was like a something big from doom patrol to just like show people hey check this out that was (laughs) years ago it was i mean it's incredible it really is incredible so first of all oh go ahead 
Oh, no, I was gonna, yeah, I was just going to say, first of all, it was the fact like th- that a Doom Patrol would even exist. And second of all, that it would be fantastic. So it's yeah. like oh, th- yeah. those seem like it wasn't even possible. <laughs> totally. Well, I have to say, like, all the credit for that has to go to Jeremy because it's he's he's just a perfect person for this job because uh, he's so brilliant when it comes to constructing character um, and doing character driven stories. Um, and there's a million ways you could have done this, you know, and you very easily could have like shied away from the weird and the horror and all the creepy elements. But mm-hmm. he loves that stuff, too. And like the more weird and awkward you can make anything like be it the source material or an original idea, the more you'll see him light up and get excited. Um, and it's yeah. just so fun to work for somebody like that, you know, that like that wants it to be weird, wants it to be what it is. You know, that's what this comic was from the very beginning and uh and he never shies away from it so it's so fun and i think that's what people are responding to you know exactly it it's excellent yeah yeah um with uh and and i guess that that leads into kind of like our next question but is that like the you know now that season two is is over and we 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 have this cliffhanger um but overall in season two is there like a a a big takeaway you want people maybe they didn't get it but like is there something you really want people to understand for at season two or maybe both seasons? yeah i think um you know for a lot of people especially people who weren't familiar with the comics going in you know you hear superhero you hear superhero team even more so it makes you think of a certain kind of story and a certain kind of package that you're going to get mm-hmm. when you consume it. Um, and, and those kinds of packages are great. I'm huge fans of all so many different franchises. Um, but I think what was great about this season is that hopefully it really solidified and codified in people's minds what this show is, you know, that, that it is a show it is a show with quote unquote superheroes in it um but but that those superheroes will always be in quotation marks you know it's that they're not gonna they might you know evolve but it's never gonna be a linear straight line um where they're just always on an uphill trajectory and they're gonna Mm -hmm. you know reach the top and be on top of their game i don't think that's what the show is or who these characters are. I think it's always going to be a one step forward, two steps back type of thing for them. Um, (laughs) and I think that's true to life. You know, I think that's all of us, you know, especially when you're trying to wrangle your mental health, especially in this time. Um, (laughs) so, uh, you know, I, I, I think this season did a great job in really reinforcing that, that ideal, you know, that people aren't perfect. People are flawed, but there's, a lot of beauty to be found in those flaws if you know if you just take the time to look um and that's why we've fallen in love with them and hopefully subsequently other people have fallen in love with them too um yeah but yeah, yeah absolutely it's the the shiny superheroes <laughs> we are not <laughs> yeah yeah and that's, that's like how we relate to it because like you know even in our mental states we're like trying to like what is normal like i had to yeah you know Someone took totally. my temperature yesterday because I went to go uh, get a dental cleaning. And and she accidentally uh, said, like, she said, this person's regular. And they laughed because she was like, I, well, I wanted to say this person's normal. But what is normal? And I was like, yeah, yeah you're <laughs> right. What is question. normal? <laughs> Normally nothing but a state of mind. Yep. Yeah. No, it's nothing. 
so order. like that's how we relate like even like yeah. when you first start reading doom patrol or if doom patrol the tv show is like your first introduction to, to this world it's like you know what is normal like why you know they're trying to get back to that spot or can is that even a possibility is that like a delusion yeah. of grandeur kind of thing so exactly um so much of the time, the best you can hope for is a workaround where you figure out how to live with what you got, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. That's okay, you know? Um, so we're talking about superheroes, quote unquote, and one of them, I think there's only, I think right now there's only one superhero technically, and that would be Cyborg. <laughs> right, and, right. Um, yeah, he, he's been one of those those characters that, you know, at first I think a lot of people questioned because obviously Beast Boy and then... It, you kind of think he's being replaced right. with Cyborg here. Um, but he's been one of those golden, you know, just like Rita Farr has been adapted. Cyborg has been one of those characters mm-hmm. you guys adapted where we questioned at first. And now we're like, this dude belongs in this manner. Mm-hmm. Like he belongs in this from crazy. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Um, what was absolutely. that like? Why, where, how did that come about having Cyborg in Doom Patrol? Um, that was, that was, uh, baked into the DNA of the show when we all showed up on day one, um, that when Jeremy and, uh, Greg Berlanti had, you know, discussed it at length and they were really excited about having the prospect of, of having Cyborg on the team, who is this conventionally perfect traditional captain, you know, uh, not Captain America. That's the wrong. One. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, Superman. We'll say uh, yeah, shiny sure. superhero. Yeah, um, type type superhero on the team. So uh, I think he we we had a lot of fun playing with that because we were like, okay, well, so there's going to be two. That means there's going to be two half man, half robots <laughs> on the team. Or whatever, but how do we handle that? And we're like, well, we should lean into it you know mm-hmm. we should have fun with it you know that they they should get on each other's nerves and we can take the piss out of each other um and i think we've had a lot of fun and jeremy always kind of refers to uh cyborg's journey in general in the show as like cyborg the lost years mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's sort mm-hmm. of like his his uh rumspringa if you will yeah. of like maybe this is the time everything that happens on doom patrol is the time that he went through before he becomes like cyborg in all caps Mm -hmm. uh the cyborg so we have a lot of fun with that too you know like i think um uh playing with his mind via mr nobody in season one was was a really interesting story to tell um because it was just a kind of a different take on uh i'm more machine than man how much man where's the machine stop and the man start um and i think just leaning into the psychology of that was a lot of fun and then just like i mentioned before it's ever it's always one step forward two steps back for these guys so you know he he suffered some serious ptsd at the hands of mr nobody um and he was kind of starting to make his way out of that this season via ronnie um and it was going well but then (laughs) what happens he got his heart crushed you know um so so it's just a uh, yeah, it's just great to to put that juxtaposition um, of the class classically trained superhero, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. next to this ragtag group of crazies, um, and and just you, one highlights the other so so efficiently, and I just think it's great. Um, and he's great, and Javan's great, so uh, we have a lot of fun with that character for sure. Mm-hmm. And and like besides, also like the heartbreak from Ronnie. But I think it was either 
Time Patrol or Pain Patrol where, you know, Ronnie kind of hits him with some truth about what yeah. it means to be either a hero or you just enforcing mm-hmm. like kind of like uh, security in a sense where it's like they they he's trying to like arrest that that mugger or whatever and it's a little too yeah. enforceful where right. it's like are you you know what does it mean to to do good or like what is justice in your opinion because it, it's like you could be uh this person could be stuck in the system kind of thing and you know that's another totally. issue we talk about in today's world yeah and <laughs> no, that was so fun to right yeah it's very topical and like i think um I think it was so much fun to play with the ethos of those classic shiny superheroes, which are especially, you know, dating back from the 60s and 70s, so black and white. There's good and evil and right and wrong, and there's a very clear line, and you know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Um, And that's kind of the world Cyborg comes from. So to sort of challenge that that way of thinking for him um, via this woman who has some skeletons in her closet and done some sketchy things. But like she says later on in the season, she's always done what she had to do, you know, and you can't, you can't fault her for that. She's, she's given uh, only a certain amount of choices and they're limited as opposed to cyborg who comes from a very wealthy family. And, you know, he, he's experiences his own um, hardship in his life, obviously. Um, But uh, I think, I think, yeah, to challenge challenge that ideal black and white world uh, through her was great, and and that was that was part of the cyborg the lost years of it. You know, is hopefully maybe at the end of this, cyborg learns how to see a little bit more gray in mm-hmm. the world, um, and that some people are backed into a corner and have to make shitty decisions to do what they need to to get by. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love now. Um, I love- Go for it, Nate. I was going to say, keeping with this, um, especially since all this, you know, excellent development with Cyborg and everything, do you have a particular yeah. character that uh, their arc was more standout, in your opinion, f- through through your eyes? Um, you mean for this, for season two? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Since it's more topical, um, I guess. <laughs> season, <laughs> season two, um, I, I really um, am very proud of... of what we did with Jane this season. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. I just think her, it was just such a, it was just such a journey for her. You know, I think to explore her, her condition um, and to kind of ask the question of like, what is the path forward for somebody like this? You know, what is it really? Is there, is there a world where you heal, where you get better, where, you know, if you get the right amount of treatment or is that not the case? Is it is it that she, this is who she is, um, and she should celebrate that? And I think, um, I think we like it was just so fun to explore that idea with Miranda coming back and saying that you know we're getting better or whatever, and and Jane wanting to believe that because that means that Kay is doing better innately. But what does that mean for Jane? Mm-hmm. That means that she's going to disappear. She's going to go away. And, and she, you know, who would want that? She's a person, yeah. right? Um, so I think I think that was great. And, and um, just 
exploring the the role of leadership for her, you know, which I think, you know, isn't a role that we're necessarily accustomed to, to seeing Jane in. She's always very kind of standing on the sidelines, scoffing, saying, oh, yeah. go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. This is dumb. Um, but, you know, she is the primary at the end of the day, and that's a role she takes very seriously, and she has to safeguard Kay, and it's only when this other little girl vis-a-vis Dorothy comes into her life that that her loyalties are tested and her ability to do this job is questioned. Um, so seeing that give rise to Miranda, who's like, I could do my, this job way better than you, sweetie. And I'm going to, mm-hmm. um, that just, that just, uh, calls all of Jane's values and her whole worldview into question, um, in a really, really interesting way. Um, and I think, Obviously, Diane's just so watchable and does such an incredible job. So I think, uh, yeah, I just, I'm really, I'm really just happy with how all that came together because it really was true to what we discussed in the room. And, you know, um, we obviously want to be very sensitive to that topic and people with DID, we don't, we don't take it lightly. We, we try to never uh, treat it as a gimmick or anything like that. Um, and I think I think we did right by her character, and I think her story was just really rich and um, layered. And um, I'm I'm ex- very excited to see where it goes from here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah, it makes and two then, of us, three of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that like, you know, Doom Patrol can can capture people's attention immediately with like the what the fucks and and like the weird shit happening, and you know, here come the sex men and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. my thing is always like, yeah, but you don't, you know, sure. You got Jesus roundhouse, round, roundhouse kicking people <laughs> and, you know, and people uh, will, they'll, they'll latch onto those things and be like, okay, this show is either, either garbage or amazing because of those things. But it's like, okay, but this is why you need to, to, to this is right. it. This stuff right here, yeah. that these conversations that the characters are having, this is what's important. Right. This is what got me into Doom Patrol because it wasn't the fact that, you know, Larry Trainer uh, had this negative spirit. It's because that they would end up having those conversations of like, you know, I just want my life back or I want to be normal. Like, yeah. what is normal? Yeah. Those conversations right. are... Where do I belong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what hooks me onto the show. And then, um, you know, like, uh, Diane has such great chemistry with with all the different characters in the show, mm-hmm. especially when you see like Crazy Jane and Cliff Steele hanging out. But with with Ugh, with Dad Patrol, magic. it was that scene where she's talking about you know what happens to her if Kay is healing, and it's a scene with Larry Trainer right. walking down that road, and that's like something you yeah. don't see those characters hang out. Totally. And so when you see it, you're like, this is amazing. These are the two yeah. most like, yeah. sensitive characters having a moment. That's what. It- that's what, yeah, we try to do that in the room too, is just kind of shake the Etch-a-Sketch a little bit and be like, okay, who haven't we seen with somebody else? Like, let's do, let's make an interesting pairing. Yeah. Let's, you know, uh, and and we we said Larry and Jane, and then it wasn't until we did, dove deeper into it that we were like, oh my God, these two have so much in common yeah. right now in this moment, you know, like Larry's being confronted with the idea of letting go of Larry Trainer, which is all he's ever known mm-hmm. and maybe maybe moving on from that and Jane's being confronted with letting go of who she is you know for the sake of the greater good which is Kay and they're both equally terrified and rightfully so you know yeah. um 
Um, cause at the end of the day, Jane's a person, you know, yeah. and yeah. it's, she's not, she's not, she's more than just a construct, which is, I think, you know, a, a belief that is very easy to, uh, give over to sometimes for her or the other personas. Like she is a person. So, and she's the one that we see the most and we fall in love with hopefully. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's just so much fun and right. But putting them together, was such a blast and even just that little tiny scene yeah. we had of of uh bomer and diane together i was like yay it made me so happy yeah <laughs> especially when you like you bring it like onto the fans is when you have like two characters that you don't see normally on screen together it's yeah. just and then you do just get like a little snippet people's imagination just goes off and especially totally. like when you do know like the characters and how they relate in themselves and then you kind of need to guess like well then what would that interaction be like with it it's exactly. just such a fun time then you just like yeah. start you start a wildfire it's like here have this little piece <laughs> go have fun right yeah you feel like start to feel like the show is working when you can see like nine different spin-offs like working equally well <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah you guys tease like the, some spin-offs this season the rita far and karen spin-off is another one i want to see oh, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's funny how you guys can can just make it happen too like there's no pulling teeth of like having the characters because in the show crazy jane is just like put your bandages on we got to go to arkansas and it's like right. that's it <laughs> yeah you know yeah that's all you need with these with these guys and there's just like they're ready to go yeah he's like okay i'll put on the bandages right. let's go <laughs> <laughs> um cool and then you're off to the races exactly um, and you know, now that we're talking about, you know, like, um, these, these kind of heavy times, uh, where, where people's mental health is, is being put to yeah. the test here. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you guys kind of behind the scenes, cause obviously we have the whole pandemic going on. Um, how does, how does that, how may, maybe did affect you guys or is still affecting? Like, how is that? Um, well, it, we were fortunate in that, uh, the lockdown happened pretty much right when the room wrapped. So I think it was like late February when all the writers were done and the scripts were all written and turned in. So we were lucky, you know, we as a writers were like, not to say that we couldn't zoom and continue that work, but, uh, but we just were able to finish it the way we would have normally, obviously the way it directly impacted the show, um, more aggressively was with production. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we only really only had like a few days left, which is such a shame, but obviously people's health comes first. Um, so, so we, we shut down, um, and we weren't able to finish that, uh, 10th episode, but I think we were fortunate in that, um, uh, I think we were able to pivot pretty well and create a really great finale. Episode nine was just a pretty epic, (laughs) balls to the wall extravaganza anyway so uh, i think we've hit it nicely and i i personally i know it tortures other people but i love a good like cliffhanger finale oh you know, yeah I, I love just thinking about oh my god what how are they going to get out of this and what's going to happen next season um so so i thought it worked really well and then um if we're fortunate enough to get a, a third season we'll we'll see you know i think a lot of rooms in hollywood right now are doing zoom rooms um so I think we'll be okay in terms of that. We'll still be able to, you know, I think they're just working 
because obviously it's hard to be on Zoom for eight hours a day. Yeah. So I think what pe- people are doing is kind of breaking it up a little bit um, and just trying to work a little more efficiently to kind of get in and get out and then have people go off and sort of do their independent studies mm-hmm. um, to come up with more story ideas and episode arcs and, and so on. So, um, yeah, I think I think the fortunate thing about being a writer is you can do it from anywhere. <laughs> you know, um, we're not like in a warehouse somewhere working in manufacturing where you have to be present or we're not frontline workers or delivery people. Like we can just go into our little caves and and do our thing. So we're really lucky in that regard. And then uh, we'll see what happens. (laughs) Very interesting times. Yeah. Fingers are tightly crossed. Everyone's health is uh, very important right now, both mentally and physically um hopefully some people understand that (laughs) out there i think they do yeah yeah yeah. i think that's like kind of the nice thing to see is that it's just happening it's so ubiquitous it's so just across the board happening to everybody so it's not like just specific to us where it's episode nine was the you know it's like every show that's happening too and and people get it you know it's because we're all suffering through it together Mm -hmm. people are understanding which is really nice in its own fucked up way yeah (laughs) uh you know Yeah. Um, cool. I, I yeah. I think uh, I think Doom Patrol is probably one of the best shows to be watching in quarantine, just because like it's yeah. it, it was kind of like there beforehand of like these these people got a they they're they're quarantined in this house all the time. I mean, it's a nice yep. house, but like, <laughs> yep, totally. <laughs> I know. I I like I constantly think of Larry Trainers. Like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> oh, you have to wear a mask all the time, and you have to like stay in a tiny little room. Cry me a river. Yeah, exactly. Call me when you've reached year 60 and (laughs) then we can talk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree though. It's been nice to just sort of live with these characters who are dealing with their own (laughs) fucked up shit every day, day in and out. Um, I also just finished like the series Dark and like it resonated with me. I don't know if you've seen it, but so deeply because it's so about time and like the futility of of life and like being stuck in a cycle where you're repeating over and over and having just felt like I'm stuck in Russian doll. I was like, yep, yes, mm. yes, this feels right. Thank you. I feel seen. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so if people are feeling that way watching Doom Patrol, then that's wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah, especially. Not alone. Um, and then you guys you actually included that little Russian nesting doll in one of the episodes. And we were like, oh, yo, yeah. <laughs> Easter egg. <laughs> That's cool. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, yeah so cool. I, <laughs> yeah, I, totally. I've always loved that kind of that poetic uh, metaphor that they have with with Negative Man, Larry Trainer, Rebus, whatever the people yeah. refer to the character as. So uh, that's always one of the yeah. coolest things. Um, totally. Uh, Nate, did you have any questions? I... No, I think we um I think we covered I think we covered most of them, right? Yeah, I think. Uh, am I am I am I uh, am I missing anything? I don't think so. I hope not. I hope we covered everything. And and I, I know you're <laughs> you're busy. You're a busy person, so I don't want to keep you. Oh no, no worries. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's so weird. Right as you said that, my uh, ear pods gave me the signal that they're down. Oh, okay. So. That's, that's <laughs> it. See, it's a Perfect professionalism timing. on a level of yeah. even we have timing of battery usage. You, we it's got insane. it. You guys are serious pros. <laughs> Not I'm at so all. Blown away. We're trying. Every <laughs> oh. day is us trying. So, 
that's the story <laughs> of our lives. Um, but I think that's that's probably the best uh, best place to to end on. And you know, like awesome. you know, season two has been fantastic. The fact that the show even exists is fantastic. It's been an absolute blast. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I guess as we as we wrap up the show, um, I don't know. Is there anything you want to promote or tell people? You know, no. I'm just thank. You. I just want to thank you guys for watching and doing this podcast. It's so awesome that it's just so nice to hear people uh, responding to the work, not just myself or the writers are doing, but the whole crew, the whole cast, like everybody who works on it just kind of has a love affair with the show. And to see that translate to the audience, is just like the the fifth dimension, if you yeah, will, yeah, you know, yeah. it's the last pe- last piece that yeah. just makes it such a joy, the whole process, such a joy. So uh, fingers crossed uh, for possible season three. And then, yeah stay tuned yeah absolutely yeah. we'll uh we'll keep our uh is the term keep your ear to the ground is that the is that the phrase keep name? your yeah keep, yeah keep yeah. your ear uh ear to the clouds the head in the Nose clouds the grindstone <laughs> yeah. who knows maybe maybe yeah. they'll announce something at some sort of online dc convention or something i think that would be awesome be kind of cool wouldn't Hopefully. it <laughs> <laughs> cool so uh you know we'll just uh we'll you know, we'll uh, we'll end it right here for you guys. If you guys uh, enjoyed <laughs> okay. everything you, you heard, you can find us on all social media at Radio Doom Patrol, and uh, we also have a Facebook group. You can you can join us and talk to us about the episodes that have come out, and you know, um, maybe you're catching up on the show. You want to let us know what you what you're thinking about, and you want to just talk to us about Doom Patrol in general. But that's the Facebook group called the uh, DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society, and you can join uh, Nate and I there. And with that being said, DJ, please take it away. The correct figure of speech would be, keep your ears pointed north because when shit goes south, you'll be the first to hear it. That's our show for today. Keep on listening and we'll catch you next time here. Or do patrol radio.